One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. As we enter into our time of prayer, um, I will lead you in the prayer. But I ask you, and as I conclude each sentence of the prayer uh, with the words, Lord, in your mercy, I will invite you to respond with the words, hear our prayer. So let us pray together for the church and for the world. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty and eternal God, ruler of all things in heaven and earth, mercifully accept the prayers of your people and strengthen us to do your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We've been praying about a number of things, and one of those uh, items we've been praying about is peace in the Middle East. Of course, we need to keep on praying, but uh, I want to encourage you that God does answer prayer. And two expressions of that, we support Hanan Massad, who's the pastor of the Baptist Church in Gaza. And as I shared with you a couple months ago, about six weeks, I think, uh, he had a little baby girl born. His wife had traveled to Jordan to give birth. He couldn't get out of the country. Uh, and uh, report to you, he's finally met his new daughter. He is in Jordan with her and the family. And so that's, that's a real note of praise. And uh, Hannah will be with us on October 8th. That's going to be Mission Sunday here. And he'll be talking in Sunday school about uh, an Arab Christian view of the situation in the Middle East. So that's going to be a great day. You'll want to meet this man if you haven't met him. He's a, an outstanding Christian leader in one of the toughest spots in the world today. So praise God, Hannah's finally met Jolene, and he's getting reacquainted uh, with his other daughter and uh, with his wife in Jordan. And he'll be here in the States in about a month. Uh, secondly, there's peace in Lebanon today, and uh, you may have seen the reports this week, but uh, the American school is starting back up next week, and uh, hopefully our Arab Baptist Theological Seminary will be going again and having classes soon. So 
Praise God, there's forward progress there, and we need to pray for an outpouring of love to that country that they can rebuild now with all the devastation. But uh, those are some answers to prayer. And we're going to be talking about prayer today. It is one of our values. And I want to encourage you to pray expectantly, to pray expectantly. Uh, there was a man, uh, this is back in the day when they had a horse and buggy, you know, you got around by horse. Any of you back in that day? I don't know. Um, fella had a had an emergency. Who, who raised, John, you raised your hand? or was, You probably were. Um, fella had to get to another town. It was too far to walk. He needed to be there quickly. He had no transportation. So he said, oh, the preacher has a horse. Maybe I can borrow the pastor's horse. And so he went to the pastor, and of course the pastor had to say yes. And sure, you can loan me my horse. But he said, this is... Uh, an unusual horse. You need a couple of lessons because since I'm a pastor and travel all the time, he said, I've taught this to be a Christian horse. And so the horse only goes forward when you say, uh, thank you, Lord. And he said, you know, we're supposed to be people of praise and always begin our prayer time with praise and thanksgiving. So I taught the horse, when you want to go forward, I say, thank you, Lord. So the horse, horse goes forward. And when you want to stop, I say, amen. And he said, you need to remember those commands. You got it? And he said, sure, I've got it. So the fellow took off on the horse, and he thought, this is pretty good. Thank you, Lord. And the horse moves out, and they're walking down the road, you know. And he said, thank you, thank you, Lord. And the horse goes a little faster. He said, thank you, Lord. And he keeps saying it, and the horse pretty soon is into a full-fledged gallop. And the guy's just amazed about this horse, not paying attention to where he's going. And he realizes they're coming to the edge of a cliff. And he said, well, i got to stop. Whoa! And he pulls back, and the horse doesn't stop. And, he, oh, stop, horse! And he starts yelling. And he said, what did that guy tell me? I, I know there's a message here, and he, he can't remember it. And so just before they're about to plunge over the cliff, he says, amen! And the horse locks them all up and slides to a stop right on the edge of the cliff. And then what do you think he said? Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Uh, bad joke, but... Uh, We're studying in Luke chapter 11 today, and we're emphasizing the value of prayer. And I want to talk to you a bit about prayer. Now, I know that everybody in this room prays. In fact, George Gallup says that 70% of Americans pray. And so I'm not going to try to encourage you to pray today. You pray. We all pray. But I do hope that um, you'll hear the Spirit of the Lord speak to you today as we study Scripture and listen to Jesus, and my hope is that you're going to pray a little more like Jesus after this hour in church today. Fair enough? So we're going to talk about prayer, and I hope that you do some adjusting in the way in which you pray today. And I'm always amazed when I look at the prayers in the Scripture, especially in the New Testament, and I think about the way Paul prayed or the way Jesus prayed or someone else, and then I think about the way I pray, and I say, wow, these are, these are two different things. And so this morning, we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 11, and there's a Bible in front of you if you want to look at Luke 11. And it begins like this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now, it's interesting that uh, as he was praying, the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And as far as I know, the disciples never said, Lord, teach us to preach, although they heard, heard Jesus preach. And they saw Jesus heal, but they never said, Lord, teach us to heal. Although he did teach them that, but they never asked. Or teach us to teach. He never, they never said that. But they did say, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, as you read the Gospel of Luke, remember that prayer is one of the themes. Luke talks more about prayer than John, Mark, or Matthew. 
They mention prayer, but Luke mentions it most of all. And it's common in the Gospel of Luke to read words like, while Jesus was praying, or Jesus went up onto a mountaintop to pray, or Jesus prayed all night. And so that kind of language is very common in Luke, so it's not surprising that as Jesus is praying, the disciples come and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think there was something about the way Jesus prayed when they listened to him pray, they realized, wow, he really knows how to pray. Now, the Jews prayed. These guys had all kinds of prayers, so they prayed regularly. They probably prayed more than we pray because they had morning prayers and evening prayers and meal prayers and prayers for all sorts of things. So these men, it's not that they did not know how to pray. I think it's that when they heard Jesus pray, they said, wow, I think we've got some ground to gain in this area. Lord, would you teach us to pray? And so Jesus said, sure, I will. And what's the first word that he gave them? Luke 11, 2. I can wait. Father. Father. One word, Father. Now, um, you're in a hurry today, right? To go see the Dodgers play or whatever. I don't even know if they're in town, but uh, maybe you're not in a hurry. But we're looking at the condensed version today. You like that? There are three versions of the Lord's Prayer. Now, some say, did Jesus just teach this once and then we have different remembrances of it? Or did Jesus teach it many times and we have different versions? I don't know. Go to Fuller and find out or study at some seminary. Um, I tend to think that Jesus taught many of these lessons several times. But there are three versions of the Lord's Prayer. Luke's is the shortest, the fewest words. Then you go to the Gospel of Matthew, of course, the Sermon on the Mount. That's the Lord's Prayer, which we have memorized. And that's sort of the middle length. In a book called the Didache, you won't find it in the New Testament, but you can find it on the Internet, I'm sure. Uh, In the Didache, there's a long version of the Lord's Prayer, even longer than Matthew's. So we have at least those three versions of this prayer. And this morning we're looking at the shortest one, and he begins with one word, Father, Father. Now, I remind you, where did Jesus come from? The Father. So Jesus really knew the Father. This afternoon, I'm going to see my dad. We're going to have dinner together. He had a pacemaker put in recently. I haven't seen him since then. And I thought, I better get down there and see dad. He's doing very well. But I'm going to see my dad. I know my dad. We have a fantastic relationship. Jesus had come from the Father. So when he said Father, he's speaking of one he knows intimately. Now, Jesus uses the word pater here, a Greek word for father, but he also uses the word sometimes Abba, Father. And Paul uses that word, Abba, Father. And it's more of an enduring uh, endearing term. I have a grandson, two grandsons, Eli and Caleb. When I see them, this happens almost every time I'll say, Oh, they, you know, they're usually, they're always doing something. They're boys, six and eight. And, you know, you come in the room, they're oblivious to you that you're there until they look up. And they look up and they'll smile and they'll say, Papa! And I'll say, Caleb! And I'll run down, scoop him up. Now, those two words communicate, I mean, if you have children or grandchildren, you understand this. If you don't, I can't tell you how much those words are loaded with meaning. You know, son, daughter. And there's just tremendous love in that one word. It communicates passion. And when Jesus said, pray, Father, he meant that kind of passion. Daddy. It's like a little girl climbs up on her father's lap, puts her arm around Daddy and says, Papa. And that's how this prayer begins. Now, I want to say to you that I realize there are folks in this room, and you think of the word Father, and you say, that is not a good term, Steve. And just this week, I was with a young person 
who was telling me that uh, this person had been in contact with her dad, and she realized, she said, my dad really doesn't want anything to do with me. And so I realized, you know, that I, I, don't, I can't turn to him for help. And my heart was broken inside. She was speaking truth, and I thought, how, how sad. And so it may be that when you think of Heavenly Father, it's hard for you to get your head around this, but you need to because when we begin to pray, we speak to God, and as Jesus emphasized it, not God in God's transcendence, you know, awesome and mighty, but Papa, Daddy, one who loves me. So that brings me, if you have this outline in your folder, when you pray, remember you pray to one who loves you, who loves you. And so you say, Father, Papa, Daddy. Now, sometimes when I pray, I've, I've honestly done this. I'll sit there and I realize I'm a mess. You know, I've got an agenda for God, and I'm really not thinking about being in God's presence. And so I'll just st- stop myself and say, Steve, don't talk. Remember, you're talking to God. Get your mind around that before you go any further. And so it's okay to start praying say, Father, and just stop there and remember I'm talking to one who loves me so much that I can say, Daddy, Heavenly Papa, whatever you need to do to get your head around the the idea that God intimately loves you, God cares about you. Now, you see that next verse. um, let's, Let's read that. How much more will your Heavenly Father give? Let's say that again. How much more will your Heavenly Father give? Now, Luke gives us 13 full verses on prayer from Jesus. And in this last section here, he's talking and he says, you know, if a father has a son and the son says, Dad, I really like fish for dinner tonight. Would you uh, mix up some uh, red snapper? And Dad says, sure. And Dad goes into the kitchen and he cooks away and he comes out with a plate and a covered dish and he goes up and he puts it in front of the child uh, let me find a boy since I'm using it. He puts it in front of a, a, a little boy, like Dr. Mack, and he said, got your red snapper, and he pulls off the lid, and there's a hissing snake going, ah! And he says, oh, ha, ha, I fooled you. That's a good one, huh? And the kid jumps up and runs out of the room screaming. Great dad, huh? Now, that'd be a sick dad. And no normal dad would do that, would never do that. Jesus said, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a, a uh, fish would give him a, a serpent. You wouldn't do that. Or if your daughter says, you know, Dad, I'd really like some scrambled eggs. And so you go up and scramble up some eggs. You got them in the plate again. You come out and you find a daughter and you pull off the lid and inside's a scorpion with a tail wigging around. And she jumps up and screams and runs out of the room. A dad wouldn't do that, would he? And Jesus then says, he gives those two examples. And he says, and I love this verse. Where's my Bible? You need to look at this with me. In... Uh, Luke 11:12. He says, "If you, even though you are evil, or in the New Living Translation, it says, even though you're sinful." Now, let me just take a break there. If you, I mean, this is Jesus talking, not me. But he says, "If you, bad as you are," and you say, amen? "Amen." Let's try it again. If you, bad as you are, Amen. I mean, we've all got our badness. Jesus says, if you, as a mother or father, as a human being, bad as you are, know how to give good gifts. Now, let me just take a response here. How many of you have ever given somebody a good gift? I mean, you really did well. You gave somebody a great gift. Just three of us. uh, Come on. You've given good gifts, right? Betty, haven't you given some good gifts? Sure you have. 
You know, all of us have given great gifts at times, and bad as we are, we know how to give good. Now, Jesus sets this up, and the last line in this story is where he says, How much more? Can you get your head around how much more will your heavenly Father give to you who ask the Holy Spirit? In other words, you get it? I mean, it's not hard to understand the point, is it? And what you need to understand is that if bad as we are, we give good to those whom we love, how much more, when we ask, is our good God in heaven going to give good to us when we ask? And it begins with the gift of the Holy Spirit, another theme in the book of Luke. So that's, that's just verse 1. Uh, that's just the first word in verse 1. When you say, Father, remember you're coming to one who loves you and longs to give to you all that's good. Okay? So as you pray, remember that, who, you, who you're praying to, to whom you pray. Uh, You pray to one who loves you. Now, a couple of other verses here. As you go through the verse, uh, he says, Father, and then there are two phrases. What are the next two phrases? You know it from memory. Hallowed be your name and your kingdom come. Now, the position of prayer in the sense we're still looking up. This is still all about God. We haven't gotten to you or me yet, right? We're still talking to God. Father... Hallowed be your name, or as the New Living Translation says, may your name be honored, may your kingdom come soon. And the way I've put that, and if you want to fill in the blanks, remember as you pray, if you want to have power in your prayer life, remember you're praying to this one who loves you. And remember, you need to be more concerned about God's reputation than your reputation, and about God's reign, R-E-I-G-N, then you're reign. So as we pray, we're jealous for God. We're concerned about God's reputation, about um, God's reign or rule on earth. Now, it's a little hard for me. I've struggled. How do you get your head about around this, you know, hallowed be your name? How do we, we don't honor anything anymore. I mean, let's face it, we're in a culture of, I don't know what, I, I won't go down that road, but we don't honor much anymore, do we? There are cultures that honor their parents and you know, have lots of traditions of honor, but what do we honor? And a couple of examples. How do we think about honoring God's name and being jealous for God's name? I don't know about you. It may just be me. But um, recently there were a couple of very high-profile CEOs who were indicted and found guilty of, of uh, ruining their companies and costing people millions of dollars and wrecking a lot of lives. And they were both found guilty. And they're both very public Christians and talk about Jesus all the time. Don't you just kind of cringe when that happens? Say, why don't you just shut up? Because you're giving God a bad name here. Do you realize this? Or, for example, when uh, outside of the United States, when you travel and people think about America, whether you agree with this or not, it is the opinion we're looked on as a Christian nation. But we're noted for what? Hollywood and importing pornography. And so a lot of other people, especially in the Middle East, look upon us and say, well, those are Christians, and you know what they do. And doesn't that give God a bad name, in a sense? Are you, are you with me on this? God's reputation. It's, it's much like when you or I individually, when we may be at work and somebody sees that we're racist, or we're a gossip, or we're a cheat, and you're very public about your Christianity, and then they realize that this, the character of this person is so bad. And that ruins God's name in that circle. And so this morning as we pray, we're concerned about God's reputation and God's reign. 
Now, if you're a parent, how do you pray about God's reign? Well, one simple example is that if you have children, you ought to be praying daily that God rule in their hearts. God, help my son, help my daughter to be open to you, to listen to you, to allow you to be the leader in their life. And so that's how you can pray. Uh, Thy kingdom come. And think about those people for whom you're praying and pray that they give in to God's rule in their life. So that's a little bit of what's behind this idea. Uh, God, may your name be honored and may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth, as Matthew would say. So that takes us through just the first half of the, uh, the section here. Now let's look at the next one. Remember that God's reputation and God's reign are important. And as you pray, make your requests known to God. This is where it gets pretty easy and pretty interesting, I think. Make your requests be known to God. Now, a couple of things. Do we have a scripture? Yeah. Uh, give us our food day by day. Forgive us our sins and lead us not into temptation. You know, this is the time where it turns to us and we're asking God for something. Supplication, ask, petition, whatever you want to call it, we're making a request. A couple of things to point out quickly. First, is the Lord's Prayer singular or plural? The pronouns there. They're plural. Take note of that. Don't ever forget that. I'll come back to it. Secondly, here in Luke, when he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, there's actually a change of words. He does say, forgive us our sins, but it says that we forgive those who have not sins, but debts against us. It's a, it's a uh, term for money. Those who owe us. Now, if you're thinking, she owes me, and I'm not talking about money, but somebody has, has uh, what would be a good way to put it? Uh, you know, somebody has wronged you. Or somebody, you know, you have something against them or they against you. Jesus says, as you seek forgiveness of God, you forgive them their debts, whatever it is they have against you or have done to you. You have to practice forgiveness. That's a part of what's going on here. Now, back to the plural. Uh, Sometimes you'll hear people pray in a group gathering in church or in a Sunday school class, and they'll pray, I, I, I. And, And I understand that. I've done that. But actually, when we pray publicly, it's to be plural. And I think one of the reasons is that, uh, let's say that um, this week I'd really been struggling with, uh, oh, I don't know, jealousy. I'm jealous of preachers with big churches. we got a big church. We just need people, right? Uh, so anyhow, so let's say I've really been struggling with jealousy. And so my tendency would be, if I'm leading in prayer and I'm thinking about my week, I'd say, Lord, uh, I pray that you forgive me of jealousy. No, 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 not publicly. Why do we pray in the plural? Lord, forgive us of our jealousies. Why is that? Because I'm nothing special, and you're not either. And your sins are my sins, and my sins are your sins. Your sins aren't special. Quit thinking they are. We're all in the same boat. And that's why when we pray, we pray, forgive us our debts, our sins. We all need bread tomorrow. We all want to not be led into temptation. You got that idea of the corporateness? It's about us together. So it's in the plural. Now, a couple other things about the request. Um, Looking for my... Yeah, here we go. Here's a prayer. Somebody wrote, uh, (laughs) Dear Lord, so far today I'm doing all right. I have not gossiped, lost my temper... I have not whined, been grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I have not complained, cursed, or, I, or, eaten, or even eaten any chocolate. 
I have charged nothing on my credit card. But Lord, soon I will be getting out of bed. And that's when I'm really going to need your help. Great way to start the day. You know, recognize, here's what's coming, Lord. Lead me not into temptation. Help me out today. I need it today. A little girl had been memorizing the Lord's Prayer with her daddy, and we're going to say that in just a minute. And uh, he thought she could go solo. She could go on her own. So she prayed the Lord's Prayer, and she came to that last part and said, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us some email. I think most of us would pray, deliver us from email. Uh, but as you pray, you, you make your request to God, and that's appropriate. But remember, we've set it up. We've talked about to whom we're praying, the loving God. We're concerned, we're jealous for God's rule and reign on earth. And then we come down, Lord, here's what I need. And there are some very practical needs. It could be that this week, it's been a bad week, and you've, you've failed the Lord and yourself and maybe others. And you need to pray for forgiveness. Pray for forgiveness. Do that today. Walk out of here forgiven from your sin. How do I do that, Steve? You ask God. You say, dear Lord, please forgive me and name the sin and say, Lord, here's how I plan not to get into that anymore. So you ask God right now for your help in that area. Uh, it may be something very real that you need. And you say, God, here's what I need. And you make that request. God's going to hear your prayer and he's going to answer your prayer. When Joyce and I moved from Dallas, Texas to Chicago, uh, we landed, we had a tough time, and we landed in, uh, I was about 40 miles from the seminary, if I remember correctly, in Elgin, Illinois, and in a little bitty two-bedroom apartment, and we didn't realize it was on the end of a cul-de-sac, and we didn't realize, but uh, there were, the apartments were only half full, they were uh, half empty, and there were these buildings that each building was separate, had six units in it, and uh, this guy named Sil Chody had bought this property, not realizing what he bought, and it was vacant, and uh, he was having a time trying to fill it up. So eventually he came to Joyce and said, well, you know, maybe you could, I'll put an ad in the paper, you could rent these out. So we struck a deal, and she began to rent them out. And as they filled up, people come and go as they do in apartments. Well, when we landed there, we didn't have much furniture, and we had two sons at the time, and they were in elementary school, and I can't even remember the bedroom situation other than it was tiny. And uh, the boy said, we want some bunk beds. And that was, you know, be a space-saving thing. It would be a good deal. But we had no money to go buy bunk beds. You know, you're in seminary. You know that. And so I said, well, let's pray. And as we would kneel beside the bed in the evenings to pray with our sons before going to bed, I, I said, you know, pray for bunk beds. And they did. Well, wouldn't you know that uh, somebody moved out, left a bunch of furniture in the apartment. I was the maintenance guy. I worked for Joyce. And, uh, you know, she says, clean it up, paint the walls, get it ready for the next person. And so we called Sil Chody and said, Mr. Chody, there's this furniture left over. What should we do with it? He said, I don't care what you do with it. Get rid of it. Guess what it was? Bunk beds. And uh, so we brought them over. The kids helped me move them over. And I can't remember why in the world we did this, but we painted them bright red and blue. Uh, go figure. But anyhow, they were very bright bunk beds. The Lord provided a very basic need. And I want to encourage you this morning. God answers prayer. Now, God may say No. God's not in the business of just giving you what you want, but God does answer prayer. And to point that out, let's go to the last point here. Pray regularly. Pray regularly. Jesus tells a story, and the point of the story, I'm not going to go over with you, but the point of the story is persistence in prayer. Be persistent. I've got this quote in here, and you may want to highlight it because I think it's so good. It says, if we do not want it enough to persist in prayer, we don't want it very badly. That's true. 
In fact, I'm going to ask you to agree with me to pray about something, and you don't have to raise your hand unless you actually intend to do this. But I've been praying for almost three years now uh, this prayer. I don't know how many words it is. Lord, prosper our church. Or I think of Antonia, who used to be here and prayed so wonderfully, and uh, she would probably put it in the form of a question, Lord, would you be pleased to prosper our church? But how many of you would agree to pray often, daily, weekly, for the Lord to prosper First Baptist? Would you join? How many? And you're going to do it by raising your hand. That's a commitment. Thank you. Let's pray that. Lord, prosper our church and beg God, cry out night and day, prosper our church. Now, let's look at this scripture that Jesus uh, talks about prayer and the persistence of prayer. And I'd like for you to read it with me. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. Now, you can see we underlined, and I would encourage you as you take notes, to underline those two words, keep on. They're repeated three times in this verse. Keep on, keep on, keep on. Underline that. That's important. Persistence counts. Now, it's not because God, you know, can't remember from one day to the next he's so busy. This has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with us and the way we change as God pr- as we pray. Now, I also noticed, and I didn't have this in my notes, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to underline the word everyone, would it? Everyone who asks, everyone who seeks, and the door is open to everyone who knocks. And so God is interested in hearing from you because you're included in that everyone, and I want to encourage you uh, in prayer in that respect. Make progress uh, every day. So let me wrap this up. I want us to lead us in the Lord's Prayer by uh, asking you to look at your notes in just a minute, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer. When uh, Joyce and I were back in Wisconsin recently, uh, the Monday after, we spent the weekend with some friends, and that Monday we went out on jet skis. First time we'd been on jet skis, and I had never... I guess you drive them. I don't know. You sit on this thing and steer it. And I'd never been on one before, and I was a little unnerving at first because, you know, they don't turn like a car or a motorcycle. They kind of skip on the water. and Very fun. But if you've been on the water, you know that if you're going across a lake or a large body of water, not the Pacific Ocean, by the way, but, you know, a large body of water where you can see the other side, it's easy in the water to uh, kind of wander around. And if you really want to go straight, you have to pick out a tree or a building or some marker. And if you're rowing or on a jet ski doesn't matter how you're going. You kind of have to get a visual marker and go toward it because it's easy to get sort of disoriented out there. But if you, you pick that out and you see a straight line, it only takes maybe one or two degrees turn on the wheel, and you can go be going north, and pretty soon if, over time you're going a totally different direction, west or east or some other way. The point is it doesn't take much correction or change on that steering wheel to put you in a very different place. Now, as we wrap up this morning, I want to apply that to prayer. You pray. You're going to keep on praying. I hope that you pray more like Jesus because of today. But it doesn't take a lot of adjustment in your prayer life over time to make a huge change in the way you pray. And so we're not asking for something dramatic this morning, but for something small that as you reflect back, you're going to say, Lord, how would you have me change my way of praying? And you make that note, you make that change, and little by little, there's a huge change in your life because of the little change you made this morning in prayer. So let's look over this conclusion. Um, Make progress in prayer. A small change in your prayer life can make a huge difference. What change is God asking you to make?
Will you pray regularly? Yes or no? And by regularly, I mean uh, you, I mean every day. You need to pray every day. Do you do that? Uh, that might be a start. Where, when, I have a place of prayer in our house. That's where I start my day, praying in that particular chair in the morning. When change, uh, what changes will you make in the ways you pray? I will focus more on God's love for me as my heavenly parent, Abba, Daddy. Maybe that's where you start. I will pray for God to be honored in my home, church, community, and our world, the idea of reputation, God's rule. I will open my heart to God's rule. I will pray less about myself and more about others. What changes are you going to make in the way you pray? And maybe pray. And maybe you want to fill that in on your own. Let's, uh, let's stand, if we would, and say the Lord's Prayer together. And we'll use the word debt and debtors, okay? We've all memorized it slightly differently. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.